that. How far would you go for a cup of water? Into the earth? Dave, you mind if I borrow this? This is a cordless, wireless microphone. Every now and then, I like using these things. Because we have veterans in the room among us. Right? Right. Now, a minute ago, I said, if you're a veteran of our military, boy, I tell you, they were quick to stand and raise their hand. I'm fixing to ask you again because I'm going to need to ask a couple of you a question or two. So I'm just warning you, just letting you know. We, uh, we have gathered today to worship our Heavenly Father. We get to do, though, do so while we celebrate Veterans Day. I'm so thankful for the men and women of our congregation that have served selflessly and continue to do so. I never served in the armed forces. I never served in the military. My father was an army man, uh, but I never served myself. But I'm, I'm always thankful for our veterans, and I thank you for your service. And for some of you that never heard it, I say welcome home, because we're glad you are here and what you have done. But I have a question this morning for maybe some of our veterans can help me out. And the question is this, as I begin to make my rounds. Veterans, how far would you go to please your CO, your commanding officer? How far would you be willing to go to make sure your CO was happy with you? Anybody ready to answer in a microphone? Yeah, put your head down, Donnie. You know I'm coming to you. <laughs> Donnie, you get this started, right? I mean, I know you're a Marine. They say Rangers lead the way, but I was going to let a Marine go first. So how far, Donnie, stand up. Donnie is a, a, a former Marine Corps man. We're thankful for you and everything you serve. But, Once a uh, Marine, always a Marine. Do what? Once a Marine, always a Marine. Well, former active Marine. How's there that? You there you go. go. I'm sorry. I always struggle with my terminology. Uh, you served. You had, a, you had a multiple commanding officers, correct? Correct. Uh, did you always make your commanding officers happy? Definitely not. Definitely not. Was it always your desire to make them happy? Yes, it was. And how far were you willing to go to make them happy? Well, every man and woman signs on the dotted line. Yes. To die. Right. That's how far you go. That's how far you go. Whatever is asked. Whatever it takes. That's what you did. Well, without breaking any type of top secret protocol, were you ever asked to do something that you thought, how in the world is this advancing our great nations? There was at least one thing? Multiple. Multiple. But you served selflessly, right? Correct. Wonderful. Thank you, Donnie. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Marine Corps, Donnie. Veterans. Any veteran would like to give us a little insight that will add layers to how people understand God's word today? That's, that's meant to be a guilt trip. It didn't work, did it? Veterans, I just have the question of how far were you willing to go to please your CO? Anybody willing to help me out? I'm literally standing here with a microphone. And I thought y'all were the first ones to sign up. Hey, here we go, Mr. Bill. That's a shock. Mr. Bill's going to turn down an opportunity for a microphone? <laughs> ain't no way. There's no way I would ever pass. Mr. Bill, tell us where you served. I, I went in under ROTC at Jacksonville State, went straight in in uh, January of 74, went to Fort Bliss for a year and to Korea for a year. And I, you just do what they ask you to do. Does it always make sense what they ask you to do? 
Most of the time, yes. But were you ever asked to do something that didn't make sense to you? Mm, no, I don't remember that. But you did anyway. I did. Every single time they asked you, sir. Yes. Do you remember anything crazy just off the top of your head that you said we had to do this one time? In Korea, we kept generators and radars going all the time, and and it was cold and bitter, but we did it. Those guys were out in the slop all night long, 24-7. Absolutely. Mr. Bill, thank you for your service. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. So those Army men. We've heard from the Army. We've heard from the Marines. Anybody else want to represent that served in the United States military? I'm thankful for their zeal, no doubt about it. All right, well, I'll tell you what, while y'all pray about that, I just want to ask you the question, how far would you be willing to go for a cup of water? I asked our very own Stephanie Jones, who is a former active Marine, make sure I worded that correctly, Donnie, asked her that question, this is what she said, I wrote it down, Stephanie, I'm quoting you. She said, you can never please your commanding officer. You follow the orders given to you to the best of your ability. You're constantly being pushed to achieve more than you think you're capable of. You're not supposed to interpret the orders. You're just supposed to follow them. Very well said. Very well said. I'm thankful for her words, which is why I shared them with you. Very well said. Our nation's history is richly populated with stories of men and women who followed orders to the best of their ability and in doing so turned the tide of conflict on more than one occasion. I have a story I'd like to read to you, story of, and I'm going to mispronounce his last name, so he's not here today, so you'll have to forgive me, but his name is Roy Benavidez. Benavidez. He was a master sergeant in the Army Special Forces who was awarded the Medal of Honor for his actions in a firefight that has been called Six Hours in Hell. In April of 1968... An American unit was on patrol west of Lac Ninh near the South Vietnamese-Cambodian border when they ran into a 1,000-man NVA infantry battalion. Benavidez voluntarily boarded a helicopter to reinforce the unit and was dropped into the fight for his life. Major Benavidez ran to to the pinned-down unit after being dropped off. On the way, he was wounded in his right leg his face, and his head. He took control of the soldiers, dragged half of the wounded to a Medvec helicopter, and then ran alongside the helicopter as it moved to pick up more wounded. As Benavidez went back to secure classified documents from a, the body of a dead soldier, the helicopter's pilot was mortally wounded, and the aircraft crashed. Benavidez secured the documents, went back to the helicopter, and aided the wounded out of the overturned aircraft. He guided the men to a defensive position and called in airstrikes. When another helicopter came, he ferried the wounded, killed one NVA soldier in hand-to-hand combat, and killed two others that were charging the helicopter from behind it. After making sure all the wounded were aboard, Benavidez collapsed but was pulled onto the helicopter. Thinking he was already dead, a doctor put him in a body bag, only to be stopped, only stopped zipping it up when Benavidez spat in his face. Major Benavidez sustained seven major gunshot wounds, had shrapnel in his head, scalp, shoulder, buttocks, feet, and legs, 
and had both his arms slashed by a bayonet and had a collapsed lung. He was originally awarded the Distinguished Service Cross because his superiors thought he would die and wanted him to be awarded before his death. In 1981, his award was upgraded to the Medal of Honor. You hear stories like that, and there's thousands of stories like this across the military conflicts that we've been involved with. It's amazing. I invite you to look at another incredible story of of service. It's not American service per se, but it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 23. I encourage you to turn to 2 Samuel 23. I'm going to show you this, this story of bravery and courage. Second Samuel chapter 23, <clears throat> beginning in verse 13, it says this, it says, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold. And the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. I remember the first time reading that passage, trying to put myself in these these three warriors' shoes who just literally put their own lives in the line to run down to the gate of Bethlehem, break through the lines of the Philistines, Draw a cup of water, which if you think about three men fighting, now one of them's having to hold a cup of water to make sure it doesn't all spill out. Fight back through the Philistines, get back to King David, present him this cup of water that he has requested, only to have him pour it out. You would think it would be a little disheartening. But I love David's response of humility, that he never commanded them to go do this, but in order to please their commanding officer... They put their lives on the line, just like Donnie said, whatever it takes, even to the greatest greatest sacrifice. And his response was humility of honoring their service by presenting what they brought to him as unto the Lord. It's an amazing story, but but I ask you this question. I share you these stories of of, of Sergeant Benavidez and these three mighty warriors. I I share you with these stories to ask you this question. What drives men and women, to do things like this? What is it that that pushes us to the place where we willingly do these things? And not just these two stories, but all the stories that we're familiar with. Some get made into movies. We read about them in books. We might read about them on the internet. You hear stories. You might hear, you have family members that tell you these incredible stories of bravery and, and, and great sacrifice, wounded and even loss. What is the driving force 
behind these pursuits? What is the driving force behind these accomplishments? What makes men and women do these things? I mean, is it for the satisfaction of their commanding officer? Is it their conviction that leads them to do such great, incredible feats? Is it the cause? Is it belief in the cause that leads them to do that? I ask you this question because I want to know how far would you go for a cup of water? Like I said, I recognize that, that it's Veterans Day, but I also know that we are gathered here together to recognize and worship the name of the Lord today. And that is by far the greatest cause we can serve. I'm a patriot, guys. I love our country. I love our state. I love my family. I love everything that God has blessed me with. But the greatest cause we serve is Jesus Christ and the cause of great, celebrating and making great his name over any other name that may be found on our lips. So I'm asking you this question as we put our faith, as we put our obedience that we're talking about in our relationship with Christ, if we put these things into a military context, I'm asking you, how well do you serve? Please don't answer out loud. How well do you serve your commanding officer in the service of Christ? What medals or accolades do you have that point to your faithfulness to God? What stories, what war stories that are actually faith stories do you have to share that you brag on what God has done in your journey of walking with him? I mean, after all, Paul writes in Ephesians 6.12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is pointing out the fact that in our journey, in our relationship with Christ, our enemies aren't humanity. Our enemies are the forces of evil that come against us, that oppose us. He takes it one step further in 2 Corinthians and writes that our war is more within ourselves. Our war is the war we make with our selfishness and our sinful nature. And it's natural desires that we're born with in our sin nature. He says these are the things we're called to make war against. So my question is this. How do you fight this war? This, this war for the hearts of man. How do you fight this war faithfully? In our service to God, how are we with our faith fighting for our king of kings? For some of us, the war begins when it comes to actually living out what we claim to believe. Remember that? We talked about faith. Faith is belief in action. I mean, we would probably all check the box and raise our hands to say, yes, I believe in the Bible. Yes, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Yes, I believe in the sovereignty of God. Yes, I believe in God's lordship in our lives. But church, what we believe demands action. And without action, it's just belief that we're not pushing forward towards victory. If we put this in a veteran's context, in the context of conflict, then maybe there's a lot of us in this room that identify with Private Albert Blythe. You just don't see how simple it is. 
simple orders, sir. Just do what you have to do. Like you did on D-Day, sir. Lieutenant. Sir, when I landed on D-Day, I found myself in a ditch all by myself. I fell asleep. I think it was it was air sickness pills, I guess. When I woke up, I didn't really try to find my unit to fight. I just... I just kind of stayed put. What's your name, Trooper? Bly, sir. Albert Bly. You know why you hid in that ditch, Bly? scared. We're all scared. You hid in that ditch because you think there's still hope. But Blythe, the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier's supposed to function. Without mercy, without compassion, without remorse. All war depends upon it. This clip taken from Band of Brothers, a series that came out years ago and about the men of Easy Company during World War II. And their objective during that conflict is far different than our objective as followers of Christ. But the philosophy is identical. Blythe was telling when he, when he airdropped into D-Day, airdropped into Normandy, that he allowed fear to dictate his actions. That he found himself in a ditch. And out of fear, instead of getting out of the ditch and fighting, he just stayed put because he was afraid. Ultimately, the actions he took were no actions. He might have been on the battlefield, but he was doing nothing to advance the cause to victory. And there's probably a few of us in this room that could say the same thing about our faith. That we believe in a lot of things, but we're not doing anything about any of them. And in doing so, the only action we're guilty of is no action. He said he laid in that ditch and waited. Church, the truth of the matter is, nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody. Nobody can live out God's will for your life for you. Nobody. Nobody else can live out God's will for your marriage but you. Nobody else can be the parent your children need but you. Nobody else 
can go into your place of work and be the witness that you can be but you. And you're not going to get it done laying in the ditch waiting for somebody else to come fight your battles for you. Waiting for somebody else to come fight for your marriage. Waiting for somebody else to come fight for your children. Waiting for somebody else to come fight for the sake of Jesus in your life. The only person that can carry out God's will for your life is you. And inaction is not an action. We cannot let fear determine God's will for our life. Jesus actually said something quite similar to what Spears said. It's found in Luke 9, 23 and 24 when Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. It's a direct reflection of the philosophy of what Lieutenant Spears told Blythe. His quote was this, The only hope that you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function. If we can kind of marry these two concepts into one phrase, we can say when you stop worrying about yourself and start living for something greater than yourself, then you'll be able to do what God intended for you to do for his kingdom. It's when we die to self, when we stop worrying about how I'm going to feel about it, how I'm going to look doing it, what are people going to react to me, how are they going to respond to me. That's not our decision to make. Our decision, just like what Stephanie said in her statement, it's not for us to interpret the orders, it's to follow them. That when God calls us to do something, there is one action, obedience. And when we just lay in a ditch, church, the lost remain lost. Your families continue to struggle. And the kingdom does not move forward on account of your disobedience. You know, when we look at this this story earlier of the three mighty warriors and how they went and braved all they braved to bring a cup of water to King David, it really shouldn't surprise us when we see that, you know? It really shouldn't shock us. I mean, think about it. Their commanding officer, their, their, the one they were following was King David. And what's King David's resume? Well, King David's resume started off when he was just a boy. His father gave him the orders. I want you to go and guard these sheep, protect them, get them to where they can eat and where they can drink and keep them safe. And in doing so and following his orders, as a boy, he killed lions and bears, and wolves, and anything that threatened the sheep, he stood between them voluntarily, defended what his father had bestowed upon him. This is the same David whose resume says he went to see his brothers one day, and he heard the biggest soldier that there ever was stand in a field and blaspheme the name of the Lord his God. And the same David heard that, went and stood face to face with him. And in doing so, out of obedience to the Lord, killed him and cut his head off. This is the same David whose bravery had catapulted him to the name that he had in that point in time. It shouldn't shock us to see a group of men, brave men, courageous men, do what their leader would do. 
Because that's, after all, that's what courage broods courage. Bravery broods confidence. You see this all the time in the context of military and, str- and struggles and conflicts. And when we see movies about battles, you see that one soldier take up the flag, take up his arms and move forward. And next thing you know, you see people following after him. Because when people live courageously, it spurs others to do the same exact thing. It shouldn't shock us that these three mighty warriors put their lives on the line to get their king a cup of water. Why? Because he has already demonstrated the courage and the bravery they want to be known for. The leader has gone before and set the pace, and they're just trying to do their part. Courage broods courage. Church, let me ask you a question. Is your faith, is the way you live out your faith producing others to be courageous in living out their faith? Or does the way way you live out your faith encouraging others to come sit next to you in a ditch? What is your faith doing as a reflection of your service to the king? I'm asking you this question, how far would you go for a cup of water? Mark chapter 9, verse 40 and 41 says, For whoever is not against us is for us. Jesus is speaking this. He says, Truly I tell you, anyone who gives a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Church, there's a lot of thirsty people out there longing for a drink of living water. A lot of people who have never tasted. You remember the woman at the well? And Jesus is, is hanging out by the, by the well, and the woman walks up to him, and, and he says, uh, Ma'am, can I, have a, can I have a taste of water? And she says, well, sir, the well is deep. And he's, you know what, I, I'm going to give you water that you'll never thirst again. There are people all around us, lost, completely blind to their own need for a savior and there's a good chance that somebody here is saying you know i love church i love all these things we're talking about but a relationship with god is still something i can't wrap my mind around well let me understand this i don't think we'll ever be able to wrap our mind around it that's why it's called faith but if you're struggling in that area i promise you this that jesus When we talk about the King of Kings, when we talk about our service unto Jesus, we're talking about courage, breeding courage. Look what he did out of obedience to the, out of the love for his father and glorifying his father's name. He willingly laid down his life for you and I. And I'm not talking about him laying down on a, on a landmine so others could pass that we see hearing stories of sacrifice. I'm not talking about that because that's just for one person or a group of people. I'm talking about the fact that Jesus Christ laid his life down on a cross, for the sake of humanity, absorbing the weight and the punishment of all sins so that you might even have the privilege of being in service to God the Father. So that you can stand before God justified on His behalf. Jesus, and it wasn't out of service. It wasn't out of, you better go do this. Oh, yes, sir, I don't even know these Jesus did it lovingly. He chose this. So that you and I might be loved by the Father through a fellowship of a relationship. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the gospel that many people in this room profess and proclaim. 
But are you really proclaiming it? Or do we just get content with professing it for ourselves? What has the gospel done to lead you to action, church? How is your service reflected by your everyday life? How far would you go for a cup of water? There are people literally dying every day and going to hell. And if you're desensitized to that statement, then maybe you should think about it a little bit harder. There are people in Decatur in Morgan County every day going to hell. You have this hope if you have Christ. You have this living water. And you have people literally dying to have it. How many of you are veterans of the cross today? How many of you recognize the war's not over? There are still needs for men and women to get out of the ditch and to advance the kingdom's purpose. How far would you be willing to go to take a cup of living water to one lost person? Will you serve? Will you serve? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that everything we talked about does not hinge on our talents or our abilities. But it does hinge on our obedience. God, there are people in this room that profess Jesus as Lord, that proclaim Christianity, and they have for years... And have never told a soul about the gospel. Father, awaken us. Open our eyes. The gospel was not meant just for us. The gospel is for everyone. It's global. It transforms the lives of all sinners. And we're all sinners. So God, for the believers in this room, those that hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb, God, regardless of our age or experience, open our eyes to see that the mission field is still waiting for a few good men and women to step up and to take the gospel into the darkness, to be a light that points other people to the beauty of Jesus Christ. The same gospel that transformed us is the same gospel we're equipped with that you would desire to transform others, God. So may we be found faithful and obedient to that. May God, when we celebrate Veterans Day and honor the men and women who have served our military, may we also be mindful of how we too 
how our faith has proved, provided us as veterans. And God, may the believers in this room be the courageous ones demonstrating bravery that broods bravery and broods courage so that others too would march forward in proclaiming the gospel into this world. God, for the person in this room that when it comes to their faith, when it comes to their relationship with you, God, they're not so sure. God, I pray today that you would open their eyes that the price has already been paid and that theirs is the opportunity to accept the gift of Christ and to call you Father. And God, if that is anyone in this room, I would love the privilege, God, if you would give them the boldness to walk down this aisle in just a few minutes that we could have that conversation, that they would find somebody in this room if it's not me. And say, I want to know more about Jesus. God, for the believer in this room that's been sitting in a ditch waiting for somebody else to fight their battles when it comes to their faith, when it comes to their family, when it comes to their marriage, when it comes to their job, when it comes to their mission field. Father God, I pray that this morning you stir in their hearts, you spur them on out of the ditch to help them recognize that it is your will in their life that they're called to follow, God. And nobody's going to do it for them. And Father, may we join arms with our brothers and sisters in Christ and move forward in what you've called us to do and be. May the same be said for our church. May we follow you in obedience, God. That even now as we enter into a time of invitation, how we choose to respond would be out of full submission and obedience to you as you call and lead. And be glorified in our response even now as we stand and worship God. We thank you for the privilege we have of responding to a living, loving God. In your name we pray. Amen.